Welcome back to the Punt Return Podcast. What a week it has been in football. Some massive injuries, Ryan. Some that we'll talk about. Some that hurt the hip pocket. But uh, what did you make of week two of the 2023 NFL season? Well, it hasn't taken long, has it, mate? The the season-ending injuries to kick in. Obviously, we saw a couple in week one, and now we've got some more big names going to be missing for long periods of time. And in Nick Chubb's case, the the whole season, which is absolutely shattering for just not just the Cleveland Browns. I'm, I'm more worried about you. I can see it all over your face how shattered you were, and um, <laughs> straight away it was where I where I thought we, our man Nick was pretty heavily in, not in heavily invested, but you know riding the wave of Nick Chubb to the rushing title this year. And God, he looked good against uh, the Steelers um, in that first half over that first quarter. He looked unbelievable. Um, they couldn't really lay a hand on him, and he's going to be a, a a massive loss for that Browns outfit who. Yeah, we'll get to obviously all the talking points of of week two, but um, yeah, any key key uh, highlights or talking points for you, mate? Before we dive in, oh look, I think that you know for, from a, a personal sense, there are a couple of things that we've spoken about a little bit already, but um, yeah, the Nick Chubb one is obviously disappointing. Like you said, mm. yeah, massive loss for for Cleveland did did hurt because uh, that was my big that was my big move preseason was the was the rushing title for Nick Chubb. TJ Watt, one of my other favourites, is just an absolute beast, mm. um, and, and I'm sure we'll talk uh, talk about him a little bit more uh, a little bit later on. Um, and my Eagles, two and zip, not playing particularly good football, but uh, just getting it done. And I don't know, they're they're a hard one to to get a gauge on at the moment. Their offense is sputtering, um, defense is is pretty solid, but they're just finding ways to to get it done. And and maybe that's a good segue into into kind of our first our first talking points, but. Um, what did you think of the Eagles? Yeah, it's, it's a very good segue. It was obviously the first game of week two, Thursday night football, which always feels like such a long time ago when you when you dissect uh, the week of football. But yeah, the Vikings um, kind of hung around, didn't they? And, and obviously mm. it was a backdoor cover really by the Vikings. I mean, and they weren't really in the contest. The Eagles kind of, I mean, four turnovers, was it, in the first half? Four turnovers, something like that. It was um, the Vikings like were their own worst enemies and it could have easily flipped the other way. Um, Jake Elliott banged in over a sixty yarder or something, and just on the half time, which gave obviously, yeah, sixty one yards. Yeah, your boys a, a lot of momentum going into the second half, and then um, the opening opening drive of the second half hurts. Got busy and got into gear, and you know, obviously, I think still the greatest play in in football is that that quarterback sneak from the one yard line <laughs> from from Jalen Hurts. It, it's pretty unstoppable. And uh, look, like you said, I think they're going along fine. I mean. Um, they've done what they needed to do. Like you said, they've, they've only beaten in front the teams in front of them. Obviously, the teams that they've beaten haven't won a game yet. The Patriots and the Vikings are both mm. on too. So strength of schedule says um, it's not a great start for the Eagles, but um, we'll get a better look at them this week against the Bucks, who are, you know, on the other end, a two and zip. But I think they're a false two and yeah. zip, you know. I mean, they're not – I think I don't think they're going to be um, – you know, come come the pointy end of the season, I don't think they're still going to be around the mark. I mean, you know, who knows? Funnier things have happened in football, but um, I think I think you'll flex your muscles this week. And um, I'm back on the Vikings. I think, um, yeah, we we've spoken oh, yeah. about yeah endlessly how quickly um, their luck's turned around this year. Zero and two in one possession games this year after being eleven and zero in such games last year. So. Yeah, I mean, it was bound to kind of turn for the Vikings, and now they've got a monster matchup against the Chargers. Um, both zero and two teams, both playoff teams from last year. One of them staring down the battle of barrel of zero and three, and I think it's only the Texans from um, about five or six years ago that have been a team that's 
got into the playoffs being 0-3 in the last 60-odd years mm. or something. So history is going to be against whoever loses that game. Yeah, look, I, I'm still... I'm still off off the Vikings in a big way. I think this is this is what we spoke about preseason. That mm. you know, last year they had all of that luck and they managed to to pull it out when it mattered. You know, in final two minute drives and and Kirk Cousins got him over the line a, a few times, going beast mode in fourth quarters and and that sort of stuff. But ultimately, I, I don't think they were as good as their record showed. You know, what were they 13 five, mm. whatever it was, um, to to finish the season. Um, and I think a lot of it comes down to those one possession games that you mentioned, uh, and and it was bound it was bound to turn. You can't you can't keep that up statistically over a long period of time. The fact that they did it all of last season was phenomenal and, and well done to them. But statistically, you can't you can't keep doing that week after week after week. And um, you know, I, I think we kind of we kind of saw that happening in preseason we saw the writing on the wall for the vikings and i I still think they're a pretty good team i I think i said to you a few weeks ago they're probably still a a a nine maybe a 10 win team or or something like that but Mm. i certainly don't think they're in that conversation of 13 14 wins uh like like we had them last season um for that very reason is that they're going to drop some some games at last year that they won um but they're they're pretty good i thought i thought they they showed up in the second half yeah, you know, they fought back. They were a fair way down. Um, they fought back. Obviously, in that final couple of minutes, they had some chances. TJ Hawkinson's a, a massive upgrade from what they've had at, at tight end. Uh, you know, what he come over at the at the deadline last year, um, and he's just so good. TJ Hawkinson is so good, and and looks like from day one already had that kind of relationship with Kirk Cousins, and yeah, that's going to be a, a big piece in in that puzzle because. Um, yeah, they can't they can't keep relying on same old same old anymore at uh, at zero and two. Yeah, exactly right. And uh, as you said, things are about to change, and um, they've got a monster game as I mentioned against the Chargers this week. So, moving on to a couple of other NFC teams, and a really really good game, and one of the better games of week two was the Falcons coming back to beat the Packers. That was a I watched a fair bit of that one, um, riding the Falcons on that, and obviously the key takeaway is. Bajan Robinson is better than advertised. He's an absolute beast. And these Falcons are a bit, they're plucky. I think they're going to be, you know, they're, they're, they're solid on defense. They've got obviously some explosive weapons on offense. Uh, I mean, Kyle Pitts is, a, is an absolute myth. We we don't need to probably go into play. I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued <laughs> to think, to see what you think of Kyle Pitts. I mean, he's basically mm. missing from the offense um, at the start of this year. Um but built around Bajan Robinson, you can probably get away with that at the moment. And I mean, Drake London went catchless in in week one, but quickly rebounded and got into the end zone in week two. And it was a really um, well fought come from behind victory, obviously against the Packers, who you know have started the season quite brightly as well with Jordan Love. So yeah, really important win. And and two and zip gives him a really good um, springboard into the season and gives him a chance at a division title. Yeah, look, I think you're right about the, the Falcons. They are they are plucky. They've got some they've got some heat. Um, and Bijan Robinson is just a, an absolute beast. Like we, I think we all expected him to be. I think everyone, you know, the odds for offensive rookie of the year, all these sorts of things. Um, we all expected he was going to walk into the squad, be the number one guy, um, and and turn it on from day one. And and he's he's done that. The dude's just just gone beast mode already and yeah Kyle Pitts is a, is a really interesting one because I think he's I think he's super talented I think he's got a long career in in the NFL but I'm not sure Atlanta's the right team for him um 
it's just a really interesting situation. You know, when they draft him, what was it, two years ago, mm-hmm. two and a half years ago, um, you know, he was kind of the, the, the next big piece in that offense that they weren't sure what their QB situation was going to be like. They drafted Tyler Algier uh, a year later, I think, uh, or maybe it was later in the, in that draft. Um, but but really, they wanted to build that passing offense around Kyle Pitts. And, uh, you know, coaching change obviously doesn't doesn't really believe in the way that, that Pitts fits that offense. I think they like the way that he blocks. But, um, you know, whether, whether it's just a, a tight end thing in general, whether it's him personally, I wouldn't be surprised if if maybe he gets shopped uh, later in the season, becomes a, becomes a bit of a trade piece uh, later on because he, he's ultra talented. We saw what he could do in college. We saw what he did in his first season. Um, I don't get he didn't get into the end zone all the, all that much, but um, you know his ability to to create separation, to take take a big catch, um, you know, create a, a contest in the air, and uh, yeah, he's just just a, a, an incredible athlete, and, and I think he's got a he's got a, a decade you know, decade in the league um, if he can find a situation that, that suits him. Yeah, and I think, like you said, I mean, as, as crazy as it sounds, he could be a very valuable trade asset for for the Falcons. If, if I mean, if he's not going to be a focal point in that offense, he can easily be that for someone else. So, why not offload mm-hmm. him to an AFC team or an AFC contender that you can, you know, someone will pay overs for him um, for a guy that talented and, and so young still. Um, but yeah, let's. Uh, how, about, how about the Packers though? I mean, mm-hmm. what what did you make of the Packers? Because. Also, I I didn't see a whole lot of this game, but but um, Jordan loves don't his his stats don't you know scream off off the sheet. You know, fourteen of twenty five, hundred fifty one yards, three touchdowns. Obviously, is good and and no interceptions. Um, so obviously, he's taking care of the ball. But but what are you what have you made of Jordan Love so far? Yeah, exactly that. Like one hundred fifty yards isn't anything to scream about, as you said. But another three touchdowns, another no interception game. He leads the league in touchdowns, or equal with Kirk Cousins with six. Um, so far, and, and obviously six touchdowns without interception. He can't really ask for too much more of that for essentially what's a rookie quarterback. I know he's had a couple of years sitting in the waiting wings um, and he's play, he's actually started a game in the NFL, but essentially he's coming in fresh and, um, you know, with a, with a very inexperienced wide receiver core. I mean, um, they were led by two rookies on the weekend um, plus a second-year a second year player in Romeo Dobbs. So you had Jaden Reed. Dontavian Wicks, um, both rookies, both of them got into the end zone, Reed twice. Um, they're not getting much out of AJ Dillon. Obviously, he had to be the lead back without Aaron Jones there. So, um, and Christian Watson, Christian Watson was also out for this one. Um, I can't remember who left the game injured for the Falcons as well, but they lost one of their key defensive pillars um, in part of the game. Might have been Quay Walker, I think, or someone like that. It was, um, uh, in fact, it was. Um, Alton Jenkins, sorry, he and then obviously um, David Bakhtiari didn't play as well. So um, they were they were kind of depleted of being the Packers and to go on the road and almost pinch a victory. I mean, they they did get outscored thirteen to nothing in the final quarter to lose that game. So it was a little bit of a um, a missed opportunity there for the Packers. But they get back at home for their home opener um, this week, which they haven't lost in ten years. So. Um, every chance they go to two and one, they'll be playing the Saints, so it's a really tough defense to come up against. But um, mm. yeah, Jordan Love and, and the, the young Packers will be feeling confident and will be keen to get back to Lambeau after starting on the road in the first two games. Absolutely. Speaking of, of feeling confident, your boys, the Bills, <laughs> on the score sheet, this is what they do on the board. They've they've got a they've got a W, nah, they... and uh, you you must you must surely be 
at least a little bit happy that there was no interceptions from uh, from JA. <laughs> he kept 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 um, care of the rock this week. I mean, he, he did still try and run over people and got way too close for comfort and hurting himself and doing stupid things again. But this is the thing with the Bills. They're, they're pretty good at downhill skiing against bad teams at home. So they usually have these blowout wins every so often, maybe three, four times in the season. So um, the Raiders were awful in this one. They were, were mm. awful. Um, I know they won week one, but they were pretty awful in this game. And probably what was advertised for the start of the season, we thought it was going to be a bit of a long season for the Raiders. They were pretty ordinary against the Bills in this one. The Bills' defense showed up. Picked off Garoppolo twice. Um, Gabe Davis finally had a good game. Gave Stefan Diggs a bit of a chop out. Had six catches, almost 100 yards. James Cook looked like the running back we all thought he would be. I know mm. it was only one week that he was down, but 123 yards on the ground, and he's already jumped into the top four or five in terms of the the most yards for a running back this season. So it doesn't take much, um, you know, to, to turn things around, and obviously the Bills did that um, in week two, so that's great to see, but... Big test this week against uh, my old mob. Um, can't lose against my <laughs> old mob. Um, the Bills and Commanders this week, so that'll be a fascinating one. But um, yeah, I think I think they're you know up for the task. It was a bit of a blip week one, perhaps, but um, yeah, a much better performance from the Bills in week two. And 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 the Commanders um, looks like their young QB and and their receiving core is starting to to put it together a little bit. Terry McLaurin back back. Uh, Catching balls and um, causing some some ankle breakers. Yeah, look, I think um, you know, and Brian Robinson as well had a monster game on the weekend against the Broncos. But um, the story for the Commanders is still their defense, and it's it's young and sweaty time. Uh, get young and sweaty. Chase Young and Montez Sweat, they're doing the business for the Commanders. Um, Sweat um, jumped into the the sack leader conversation. I think he's up to equal with um, J, uh, TJ Watt or just behind anyway. But um, they're starting to put things together on the defensive end. Obviously, they fell into a bit of a deep hole against the Broncos in the first half, but they outscored them 32-3 to or something ridiculous like that in that middle stage um, before the Broncos got some some late points, including that Hail Mary. But it was a complete domination from the Commanders um, once they kind of got into gear. And I think they're going to be a, a sneaky um, playoff team this year now in the NFC, especially with um, you know the Giants look like they haven't really progressed especially we'll, we'll get to the Giants a little bit later and there's now obviously injury concern around Saquon Barkley so look the commanders could be last year's Giants and you know surprise a few um and and kind of sneak into the playoffs and I, I remember I got a I got a text message from you uh around Russell Wilson and, and the Broncos but obviously you know that that letting that lead slip um obviously they're they're in a bit of a hole themselves now at 0-2 um tough matchup again this week um, where are where are the Broncos at? See, this, uh, the fact they lost that game was actually borderline disgraceful. For the fact that they had complete control of it, twenty-one-three, as I mentioned, everything going well. But and then it it almost seemed like they went into a bit of a hole, and or they got too too happy with the deep ball. I mean, they they got off, they pulled off some big plays early in that game. Um, Marvin Mims broke loose and, and Russell Wilson started to cook and I think he got a little bit ahead of himself. They were, they were falling in love with the deep ball rather than kind of playing the percentage when you that lead, um, you know, just get the short short yardage, get the first down, keep the chains moving, hold on to possession. And they just couldn't do that. And um, then they fell behind and they had to play catch up again. And, it, and the defense, to be honest, played pretty poorly as well. I mean, to allow the commanders to score almost 30 unanswered points was 
pretty ordinary. So it doesn't all fall on um, that offense and Russell Wilson, but I think the defense needs a hard look at themselves. Sean Payton's come in. He criticized um, Nathaniel Hackett, you know, at, at length last year in his in his role at, in the media. So the fact that he's got that team at 0-2 when they've played <clears throat> two, two pretty poor teams from last year anyway. I mean, obviously the commanders are going to be okay, but they also lost to the Raiders. And the most important part is that they've both been at home. And I think it's their first time they've ever opened a season 0-2 like, or, or lost consecutive games at home to start a season. So it's it's a big hole to kind of come back from for the Broncos who go now to Miami to take on an undefeated mm. Dolphins side. I mean, they're staring down the barrel. Especially with that, that, offense, that offense humming as well. And, yeah, I mean, like, it's just going to be a, a, a bad matchup for the Broncos. And um, they need to kind of regroup and regroup quickly, especially with, again, the, the off-season noise, the the um, I suppose the optimism around them, and uh, at the moment they haven't shown anything. Speaking of of franchises sitting at zero and two and in a hole at, and not showing what we expected to, the Cincinnati Bengals are zero and two, and I'm not sure anyone had them sitting in this position after after the first couple of weeks. But um, what have you made of this offense? It, it just that they don't look right at the moment, do they? I think it's you know as 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 eloquent as you've put it. That's exactly exactly right. I mean, they don't look right. It's just not quite clicking for them. I think a lot of it's got to do with Joe Burrow's calf. He obviously doesn't look completely healthy. I know he kind of aggravated that a little bit in the game here. Um, it's a bad injury to kind of carry into a season, especially um, when you guarantee, you've guaranteed all this money and he's now the highest paid quarterback in the league. And look, all the expectations are super high, but. It's, it's 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 quick to uh, or it's easy to forget that they were on to an exact same position last year and then they went on this run so and and almost a carbon copy of what happened last year they were blown out in week one I think they lost um, by a huge margin in week one last uh, last year and then they narrowly lost to a very good team in the Cowboys uh, in week two and while we all probably don't think the Ravens are going to be world beaters they're still a very very solid football team and. You know when they when they're up and clicking and and running like they were in week two, they're a very hard team to beat, especially when Lamar Jackson's playing like he did. But so I, I don't think it's all doom and gloom for the Bengals. They should win this week. I mean, it's a tough game against the Rams, who have looked better than most people thought. Mm. Um, at home, every you know they would hate to fall to zero and three. Let's say that. Like I think we can't probably write them off at zero and three, but um, at zero and two, I'm still keeping them well and truly alive, and I still think they can win the AFC North. I mean, I know they've now two games behind the Ravens and and potentially a tiebreaker, but I think they'll get them in the return bout when Burrow gets a bit healthier once they get their offense um, clicking a bit more. And you know, we saw in the second half they started to get that right. T Higgins finally, you know, made a few plays, um, got involved, and Jamar Chase has been well held. To be honest, I don't think it's um, Chase's fault. I think he's just being well defended. He's obviously drawing a lot of attention, and they need more out of Joe Mixon, who's um, you know an all-pro running back. He needs to lift. So um, yeah, I'm not too worried about the Bengals yet. If they lose this week, I'm I'm very concerned. It's it's more Joe Burrow's injury that kind of worries me at this stage. If he's if he's fully healthy and can play this week, I know there's a little bit of question mark over that at the moment. Um, yeah, things change pretty quickly if he's ruled out. Mm. Well, speaking of things changing quickly, I think the Bank, uh, the the Ravens, as we're talking about, have kind of turned the corner as, as to what we saw from them last season. It looks like Lamar Jackson is back, fit and healthy. Everybody's involved, you know, sharing the ball around. 
Um, Gus Edwards has 10 carries. Justice Hill has 11 carries. Lamar runs it 12 times. Uh, Nelson Aguilar gets on the scoreboard. Uh, you know, Zay Flowers, Mark Andrews had some touches in, in week two. You know, it, it just looks like they're um, they're playing a bit a bit more freely. And, and uh, is, is it as simple that Lamar's just fit and healthy and that's that's the difference with the Baltimore Ravens? Yeah, maybe. I mean, like he was fit and healthy in week one and he, he didn't look anywhere near as good as he did in week two. Um, he was just... I don't know, the whole Ravens outfit, like we, we mentioned it a couple of times in last week's show, they were just sloppy. And I know they won by double digits and comfortably beat the Texans, but they just didn't, again, to, to use your phrase, they didn't quite look right, but they kind of got things going this week. Um, like you said, they they look very good when they're a running back by committee. They gave a lot of good look, a lot of different looks to the Bengals. Um, when Lamar's carrying the ball and he was holding it, you know, it, it, it was almost visibly like he was just protecting the ball a lot more this week in, than, than week one. He was really assured when he with his running back to his kind of MVP form. Um, didn't have massive numbers on the ground, but he was really good in the passing game. Um, that receiving core all of a sudden looks like it's a bit better now and, and actually have some depth with Aguilar kind of stepping up. And, um, you know, Zay Flowers is going to be a freak. We know OBJ left that game and he's injured, so um, we'll see what happens with him. But... Um, yeah, that seemed like they had a few more options around him. And then obviously Mark Andrews being healthy as well helps. So, um, yeah, a lot of good things to come out of week two for the Ravens who have jumped up in our power rankings, that's for sure. And, um, uh, yeah, have a chance to kind of improve to three and zip this week. They've got the Colts. So uh, you'd think they should take care of business there as well. So um, a nice early uh, season boost for the for the Ravens. Speaking of, of nice things in, in week two, um, one of the more entertaining games of week two was uh, the Seahawks and the Lions. That second half and OT was just fun to watch. Are, are there are there there aren't many funner teams, more entertaining teams to watch than these two when they're when they're firing on offense. Well, they played a, an absolute thriller last year. I can't remember if it was in Detroit as well, but it was something like forty eight, forty five, and we saw you know not quite to that extent this week, but it was. It was pretty entertaining, as you said, especially that second half. And there was a lot of back and forth. It didn't know which way it was going to go. But ultimately, you know, Jared Goff's run of no interceptions finally came to an end. And, and it came to an end in the worst possible way on a pick six, which ultimately really swung the game. I know he went back down and scored a touchdown on the next possession. But, yeah, the Seahawks needed that. Um, Gino was really, really good in this game. He, he looked awesome. Um, Tyler Lockett, who's just a marvel isn't he? he just continues keeping on you know he's well into his 30s but he's he he looks like a young man again on the weekend two two touchdowns including the the winner in overtime Ken, kenneth walker still looks like an absolute beast um on the run game he had a bit of a quieter week one but really took charge in week two there and i think that's probably the thing at this stage for for the lions obviously david montgomery getting hurt was a big um was a big one for them um jamar gibbs they want to kind of keep up their sleeve and don't want to kind of battle, you know, run him into the ground yet. So, you know, it looks like Montgomery's going to be there. You know, their first or second down back that's going to really bash in and then Gibbs is going to clean up the pieces. They're going to do a lot of jet sweeps, a lot of um, check downs to him, and he's going to be like their, if you will, in an AFL term, he's your, he's your outside kind of player, whereas Montgomery's your inside <laughs> bull. So um, it's it's interesting, um, but I still think the Lions are going to be a very good team this year and, you um, you know, again, they lost the turnover count, and that's probably where the game was lost in the end. But I think, um, 
yeah, it's, it's one of the games of the week for me um, in week three, the Falcons and the Lions. Um, who would have thought at the start of the season? So that's, that's going to be an interesting one. Absolutely. And uh, another really entertaining game was was the Chargers. We've spoken a lot about the Chargers uh, already this year, but the Chargers and Titans put on put on a bit of a show. It was interesting to see the way that the Titans kind of rallied uh, in OT, uh, but the Chargers, uh, they just do some silly things, don't they? The, it's ridiculous. I mean, the, the fact that this team, again, is, is so talented and, and again, 0-2, and, and, and like we said with the Vikings, staring down 0-3, um, I think um, Brandon Staley got asked in his presser, you know, if the, you know, remember what happened to what ended their season last year. They had a complete meltdown in that second half against the Jags. And he was kind of asked if that's kind of lingering. And, and uh, I think it's a little bit of a, I don't know, it's a, it's a long string, uh, long bow to kind of um, draw, but maybe, maybe it is. I don't know. Like Justin Herbert is, 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 um, I saw a comparison during the week. If he, he's like the old Matthew Stafford, I mean, no, Matthew Stafford's got a chip now. He's the Detroit Lions, Matthew Stafford. He's got all these amazing stats, mm. um, you know, a lot of clutch wins. But ultimately, they the, his team just doesn't win enough games to make the playoffs. And his team, I don't know, he just needs to do more because at the moment, um, you know, you can't blame that defense. I mean, Nick um, Joey Bosa had a big game in this one. Um, the defense kind of came to the fore. They're only playing the Titans, who were missing a few key defensive players of their own. And um, especially the way Ryan Tannehill stunk in week one. He kind of came back and, and showed a bit um, showed a bit of courage and, and played really well. And I don't know, Austin Eckler obviously was clearly missing for the Chargers, which was a huge hole. We know Josh Kelly's mm. a capable back, but they just didn't run the ball and he could barely get any yards when they did. So um, I don't know if it comes down to Justin Herbert, but again, you know, he had the ball first in overtime, couldn't get it done, couldn't couldn't get any points. Um, he had a chance to kind of win the game at the end of the of um, regulation. Couldn't get it done. I think they had a, um, you know, if they were definitely inside the red zone at first down, and and they had to settle for a field goal. So you know, in these situations, um, he needs to step up, especially with all the the hype that kind of surrounds him. And it's it's disappointing for Chargers fans. And I know they'd be pulling their hair out about how good this team is. But again, sitting at zero and two, it's a it could be another season wasted. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? We, we've spoken about the Chargers for a couple of years now about how good they are, but the proof is in the pudding, isn't it? Like, yes, they're talented. They've got a, a bunch of really talented players, but as a team, they're not really that good, and, and they've shown that time and time again, and I think maybe it's on us now to, to kind of change our expectations on uh, on that franchise. One one that I wanted to um, to throw over to you, because you've got this note here in uh, in our run sheet, and I think that's uh, I think it's very valid that the Bears truly do stink. Over to you. Yeah, they're they're the worst team in football at the moment, and and probably by a fair way. I mean, that defense is so bad, and that offense and offensive line in particular is so shit. Like it's just a, a, a dog's breakfast in Chicago, and I I feel for one of the oldest franchises we've had. Well, I mean, they did have that that run in the '80s or whatever, but they've been so shit for so long. And like, mm. um, Justin Fields, unfortunately, I, I was one of his biggest fans last year, and um, he just hasn't taken a step forward with his his throwing ability, and he could barely run on the weekend. I mean, I know the Bears didn't even run the ball this uh, in this game; they only had about thirty or forty yards in total for the team. They had um, six sacks, uh, allowed six sacks, 
didn't even get a hand on Baker Mayfield, that defense. I mean, Baker could have played um um, you know, they were in your white jerseys and he wouldn't have he wouldn't have to wash his <laughs> wash, wash his top after that one. Like honestly, it was it was so bad by the Bears. And and I know they kind of hung around and once um Fields hit Claypool for that, that was a lovely throw, actually. He kind of got in between traffic. It was a it was a really nice touchdown pass to Claypool, who finally um did something and caught a foot uh, caught a ball and um I believed. Uh, I thought the Bears could kind of potentially upset the Bucks. I didn't. Um, and at seventeen twenty, I'm like, here we go. We just need a stop, and, and then I'm obviously one more score. But they got the stop, and then what did they do? Um, he threw a pick six from his own end zone, essentially, <laughs> Justin Fields. So I mean, it's just, yeah, I just think they're a bad football team. I won't be spoiling into the trap of the Bears this week. Uh, or, or, sorry for this year. Definitely not this week. They've got the Chiefs, if you can believe that. That could be any any <laughs> kind of scoreline. But, um, yeah, yeah, they're, they're awful, and uh, it's going to be a long rebuild for the Bears. And um, I know there's already, again, calls like, should they have traded that number one pick? You know, they could have easily yeah. been sitting on uh, a guy like Anthony Richardson or CJ Stroud, who have both looked great. Um, we know Bryce Young hasn't quite lived up, you know, to expectations early in the season, but, you know, he's still... Um, you know, super young in his career, but CJ Stroud in particular could be could be the guy for um, for Bears fans who just have to mm. watch that god awful offense for another year. Yeah, that's right. And I, I was another one that was really bullish on on uh, Justin Fields. I took him in fantasy, um, and just I'm, I'm wondering what to do. I'm wondering what to do with Justin Fields at the moment. I think I think you just got to hold on to him in, from a fantasy perspective and just oh, yeah, for sure. ride him. Because um, I think he, I think he will get better. I think he will get better. Um, I think the Bears will get better. Um, but yeah, that they suck. They suck at the moment. Um, a moment that didn't suck this year, oh, this week, I should say, and in that game was uh, Shaq Barrett's um, yeah. touchdown. Uh, I've got here. I kind of noted it during during the weekend or, or on. Um, on Monday, our time, that, that that's an early contender for moment of the season. You know, pointing up at the sky. Uh, obviously, we know the the tragedy that befell mm. the uh, the Barrett family earlier in the year with the, their little girl, two years old, um, passing away in a, in a home accident. It's just awful. Um, and I think at the time, I was wondering how does how does how does a guy come back and play football after that? You know, it's it's only six months later, really. How do you come back and play football after that happens? And um, he did, and, and obviously, um, you yeah, know, turn it on, turn it on 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 uh, Sunday afternoon, uh, their time, and it was just just a really a really nice moment, and um, one that I think is going to be hard to beat for for a moment moment of the season. Yeah, nicely said, mate. Nicely said. Um, we haven't obviously seen uh, Demar Hamlin back yet, which is uh, probably another one of them, you know, that we could see, and especially if he gets into the end zone or makes a big play, it could be something along those lines as well that could compete with that. But, yeah, for sure, great great words, Nick. Um, one thing you've you've got here, you've got a question as to whether the Bucks are contenders or pretenders. Where where are you sitting at the moment? Oh, look, I, I very much still think they're on the pretender side. But you know what? They've they've played clean football to start the season. Um, they've they've beaten who lives in front of them, as we, we've touched on already. Um, two and zip, Baker Mayfield's played really great. He's looked... As good as probably ever's looked in in his um, you know interesting career, um, Baker. So um, I don't know if that says more about yeah that offensive line if if they're kind of scheming up things for him that's really um, valuable. But I mean, like Mike Evans, we we're talking about a you know it could be a trade target or you know a potential 
off or deadline kind of move for, for one of the contending teams. But the Bucks might be contenders themselves in that division. So who mm. knows? And, um, you know, it's in saying that the NFC South all of a sudden you got three two and zip teams. So it could be a bit of a fun fun season for the Bucks, Falcons and Saints. But um, yeah, interesting matchup this week. I think the Bucks will get um, get uh, taken down by your boys, but who knows? <laughs> well, it's interesting. If if I if I said to you, I, I know it's only early in the season and, and things can change really quickly, but if I said to you um, which team sitting at two and zip would be higher in, in overall DVOA between the Eagles and the Bucks, I think I think you'd probably everyone would say the Eagles probably, but the Bucks, the Bucks are sitting a couple of spots ahead. They're top ten defense. Their offense is league average, and ultimately that's what they need to do on offense. Is just like you said, take care of the ball. If Baker can be league average, if he can feed Mike Evans, you know we know how Mike Evans can be if he stays fit, and that, and that's another thing. Um, but you know if he keeps putting up stat lines of of you know, 170 yards and a, and a tutty every week, then you know they're going to be hard to beat. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, like you said, it's, it's like we've been touching on. It's it's an interesting and wide open kind of division. So, um, I haven't seen the strength of schedule for the Bucks, but um, obviously it gets pretty tough this week. Um, but they are at home, of course, against against your mob. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they go, and might be a good um, good kind of a test for themselves to see where they're at. Hmm. The Jags, where are they at the moment? It's hard to kind of you know be too harsh on the Jags. I know they've lost to the Chiefs again. They didn't score a touchdown. They had their opportunities. I mean, they held the Chiefs to 17 points. That's pretty damn good. And um, unfortunately, they just couldn't get anything going on offense themselves. And um, it just seems like they're still a rung below that top tier, of course, and especially when it comes to the AFC. But remember, they are in a piss-poor division. So they're going to be they're gonna be in the playoffs. Um, I've got no doubt about that. They'll win the AFC South. Um, I still don't see a contender that can potentially go with them. Um, so for me, it's it's definitely <clears throat> a lot of time for Doug Peterson to figure things out. I know they haven't beaten the Chiefs since he's been there and they can't quite get over the hump there, but he's a smart coach. He'll work it out. I think they'll get better progressively. And uh, like I said, I, I wouldn't be worried about the Jags. Um, still an absolute lock to win that AFC South and be in the playoffs. So I think they just take it one week at a time, slowly improve. T-Law was pretty ordinary this week, but obviously um, that Chiefs defense, when they're on, can make any quarterback look ordinary. So, look, I, I don't have any concerns for the Jags yet, but they do need to kind of take that next step and start building um, because they could just be one of those teams that, you know, if they're perennial division winners, great, but they're not going to, you know, be a Super Bowl contender if they can't beat these good teams. The, the Chiefs were an interesting one because I don't think they played – particularly well on offense, but I did feel like they looked a little bit more settled and really the only difference was that Travis Kelsey was back and it was a little bit like they've got their safety blanket, mm. you know, they're going to be yeah. okay. Um, if all else falls apart, then you've got Travis Kelsey and he stood up when it counted. Yeah, absolutely. And he, um, they actually broke the Chiefs franchise record on the weekend. I think that was their 47th touchdown as a combo and which um, I don't know who it surpassed, but it, it definitely broke the record. And um, they're the, now the all-time leading touchdown duo in, in Kansas City. And their play-by-play caller, I don't know if you heard this, he got a, a bit of a Taylor Swift mention into the uh, into the call. It was quite quite clever. <laughs> I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. 
I, I don't mind it. Don't mind a bit of tea swizzle. Yeah. What did he say? Uh, something about I don't know her songs very well, but it was something to do with blank space, and that's one of her songs apparently. But okay, um, it got the social media alight. So with some clever editing, <laughs> we might be able to drop it in into this podcast right now. Mahomes moving pocket. Mahomes floats it up. Caught. Touchdown, Travis Kelsey. Kelsey finds a blank space for the score. <laughs> Speaking of the editing room, um, the New York Giants edited something in the second half, and I'm not sure what it was, but I, I still don't think they're much chop. I, I don't think they're very good. Obviously, there's question marks. Saquon Barkley's injured again, um, perennially injured. We know how good he is. Good. The dude's a superstar, but just gets injured way too easily. And... Uh, both of these teams are bad, but what did you make of the uh, what did you make of the Giants' comeback? It was a giant comeback. Look, let's be honest; they did come back from <clears throat> well, they were twenty nil down at halftime. That absolutely shocked me. I think I didn't quite set the alarm for three o'clock uh, on Monday morning, so I didn't quite <laughs> see the first half. But I think I must have woken up just before most games went to halftime, and I think that was the scoreline that caught my eye, and I, I could not believe my eyes. I thought I was still asleep or dreaming or something, but 20 nil after what they served up in week one. I, I actually couldn't believe it, especially after they they rode me. I rode them all the way last year to a bottle of whiskey, which Nick has finally told me is on, is on his way. So that's that's great news. But um, I don't know. Look, obviously something clicked in the second half. They came back from 21 down. I know they, they scored first, but then they scored. Anyway, it was 21 points, the the margin that were, they were down, 28-7, and they came back and won in regulation, which is – Pretty impressive. They didn't even have to go to OT. But like you said, there's some, don't know what Saquon's bones are made of, but the poor man went down again and likely to miss maybe a month, maybe a bit more, maybe less, don't know. But uh, he won't suit up for the short turnaround against the Niners, which is um, a pretty daunting task to, to get on the road and, and play mm. the Niners um, off a short week. Um, that'll be a, a big win for the uh, for the Niners, you think. But maybe it's the perfect opportunity for the for Danny Jones and his and his boys to kind of get their backs up and, and do something. But uh, obviously, very inexperienced wide receiver court. That offensive line was so bad in that first half. They kind of stiffened up in the second half. I know they were missing Andrew Thomas and maybe one or two others, but I think that's been the the issue. Danny Daniel Jones has been getting. Um, sacked far too often. That defense isn't doing much, but they obviously kind of again they stiffened up where they needed to in that second half against a pretty ordinary Arizona offense. So hard to make anything of them still because they only did beat the Cardinals, who we know are going to be pretty ordinary. But um, I know you'll ask the question later when we get to the power rankings, or do you want to ask me now? No, no, we'll, we'll get to the power rankings when, when we get there. But um, I, I did want to ask you about the Cardinals because. They are pretty average, and, and you already said that you know surprised seeing that scoreline at halftime. Um, but where do they where do they go from here? Because they would have they would have been there at, at halftime, thinking we're we're a real shot to win this game now. You know we should win this game of football, and to to lose it in that fashion, to just get dominated in the second half the way that the way that they did by a team that they had ultimately dominated. Um, for a half of football already must have been so devastating, and and mentally, I wonder how they can how they can come back from that if they if they can. Yeah, well, look, uh, is the locker room 
I mean, the locker room would be hurting. Everyone wants to win, but the front office, I'm sure, aren't too concerned. Honestly, it's a it's a tank season for the Cardinals, but they've been in winning positions both week one and two and lost it. They've both given up um, last quarter lead. So whether or not that's coincidence or if they're just um, awful in the clutch. But look, they've got a very... I know he's a, an older guy, but he's a very inexperienced quarterback. So they haven't got that experience mm. in the in the um, in the locker room. I mean, they're a pretty young team in in general. So um, James Connor's a big win. I mean, he's he's kind of balling out, and he's had a really great start to the season. Um, but yeah, the Cardinals. Um, it's going to be a long year. So I, I don't know if again, obviously the players would want to win, but um, I don't think there'd be too many disappointed people in Arizona at the moment. The way things are going. Yeah, no, you, you raise a good point. I think, yeah, the front office clearly doesn't care about what happens on the field this season. They're all about, you know, draft assets, um, stockpiling for, for the draft and for the future. But I think, you know, from a player perspective, no no player goes out there no. to lose. And you don't get to the NFL without being, you know, the kind of guy that's got a winning mentality. Um, and that, that must hurt, though. That must hurt to be in that position and, and let it slip no matter what your front office talks to players don't care about whether you get the number one draft pick or not as, as we saw in Houston last year. Mm. So, um, you know, I, I think they're, they're going to be a real hard watch. They're going to be a real hard watch, um, for, for cards fans for the rest of this season. Um, two, two players that were going to be such a big watch, such a big watch, um, for me at least over the course of this season, TJ Watt and Nick Chubb, uh, very differing, um, Outcomes, results uh, in that in that final game. Yeah, look, firstly on Nick Chubb, and I know we started the show with it, it's an absolute brutal blow for, for the Browns and and yourself, Nick. But um, look, that looked like a really horrendous injury and I think he's already been ruled out for this season. But um, in in his absence, Jerome Ford, who I think is a second-year running back, he, he looked good and, um, you know, he was, I'm sure, the most picked-up person on the waiver wire. This week in fantasy, I know there were claims coming in from everywhere to, to try and get him um, in my leagues, and I managed to snare him in, in one of them. But uh, he he's going to be a big asset for the Browns and what they can do going forward because that game is that that offense is built on the run because and it shouldn't have to be because they've got enough weapons on the outside and they've got what we all thought was a good quarterback. But I think it's plain to see the man has has been. Um, I like to refer to it as like he's in Space Jam and the Monstars have stolen his talent because he has genuinely been sucked of any bit of talent that man has had because um, I know he led the league in passing yards um, before he got done, uh, before he got traded and he had all these sexual allegations against him. We know he's been out and he's been suspended and he's got paid all this guaranteed money, but he's been pretty damn awful since he's come back and that was all for for everyone to see in in the US and and around the world in prime time uh, on Monday night um, in a game they should not have lost. So, um, yeah, Deshaun Watson is the key to what the Browns can do this year, and unfortunately, it doesn't look like um, he can be any good. And, and potentially, he's the worst quarterback in that division, which is saying a lot at the moment because Kenny Pickett's looked awful in the first two weeks. So. Um, we, we saw the strides Kenny Pickett took towards the end of last year, but he's he's looked pretty damn bad in, in the last in the opening two weeks. But thankfully for the Steelers, there's a guy named TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith and others. But, I mean, TJ Watt is the man, like, let's be honest. An all-time sack leader at his age for that franchise, who has had probably 
well, it's probably the best franchise in the league in terms of successful one. They've won the most Super Bowls. They've had probably arguably, or I don't know if not arguably because it'd be a, there'll be a stat, but they've probably got the most Hall of Famers or something. Like they've had a ridiculous run of good good players and, and in particular on defense. So, yeah, I, I, I can't spend talk you know much more about him and I know you'll want to pump him up. Oh, they've been an incredible defensive team for forever, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, that, like you said, for TJ Watt to be the all-time sack leader at his age with still so much time to go is just incredible. What what I thought was even more incredible was that was his first, that was his first, uh, his first touchdown ever. Yeah. No way. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, insane. Insane. Well, about time he got on the end of one because he, he's usually the man that's disrupting and and, yeah. and knocking the ball out of quarterback's hands. But the fact he scooped it up with so much ease because you see all these big linemen and defenders just fumble and stumble all over the ball and it's it gets very messy sometimes when the ball's on the ground. But he just scooped it up like a like it was nothing. He was um, did it with ease and got into the end zone. And what a what a result for the Pittsburgh Steelers fans and. I think I did see on the cut on the coverage they won like twenty or something ridiculous in a row on Monday Night Football going back to the nineties. It's it's some sort of ridiculous record. Speaking of of another incredible defensive unit, the Dallas Cowboys, you've called them the Big D. They are they are playing some very very good defensive football at the moment. They they are looking a little bit scary, aren't they? They are looking very scary, and like I said, I think the Big D in Dallas. Only stands for one thing, and it's and it's it's defense clearly because, um, yeah, I think there's someone we forgot to mention at the start of the season about being part of the discussion for defensive player of the year, and um, and now he's putting his hand up to be one of the best players in the in the league, full stop, and that's Michael Parsons, and mm. he's leading that uh, defensive unit who just, like you said, look scary good, and I know they've only played the two teams from New York, so they haven't played too much on offense yet. Um, and it doesn't really get much harder for them this week. I think they're playing someone bad again. Who is it again? Uh, Cowboys are up against the Cardinals. Yeah, goodness me. Yeah, that could be anything. Um, <clears throat> so, anyone that's got Cowboys in defense uh, in fantasy, you're in for a big week. Um, they've got the Cardinals <laughs> on the road. So, look, um, we're about to jump into power rankings, but yeah, they clearly look like one of the two best teams in the league at the moment. And um, yeah, based off that defense and. You know, their offense has been serviceable and, and certainly not clicking into gear. I mean, they kicked a lot of field goals in the weekend, um, which, you know, the Jets could have punished. Um, I know they had that interception go go astray and they could have been taken the lead. If they were to pick off um, Dak Prescott there, it was just a bad error by the um, Jets' defense. So, look, um, yeah, still not sold on that offense, and but uh, that defense looks ridiculously good. Well, Micah Parsons, I think... When we did our preseason preview, I can't can't remember exactly. We'll, we'll have to go find it, um, maybe next week. But I think he was about six bucks for defensive player of the year. He's uh, rocketed to two dollars eighty five for defensive player of the year after that uh, after that performance. And and you're right. I think yeah, we probably didn't pay him the respect that he deserves. Well, I think we know that he's a he's a super player, and I think we we gave him a lot of credit. Um, we praised him a lot last season. Um, and we probably did gloss over him a little bit, uh, you know, with, with my love for TJ Watt. But um, the dude is a beast. The dude is a beast. And, and defensively, they are purring at the moment. But there are some question marks. Yeah, as we as we head into our our power rankings, um, 
yeah, I think quite right, quite rightly that the two best teams in the competition um, sit at one and two in the power rankings. It's the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I'm not sure about you, but I, I've got the Cowboys one and uh, sorry, the Cowboys two and the Niners one only because I think that the Niners are, are more balanced. I think on offense, they're a, they're a far better team at the moment. Cowboys defensively are incredible, uh, but they just haven't hit their strides with the ball just yet. Yeah, exactly. He's right. And, um, can't argue with that at all, mate. Exactly my thoughts. I think um, the Niners have to be number one for that reason. They've they've beaten two um, decent teams, and and also the fact that, like you said, I think they're just a more well balanced team at the moment. Um, perhaps on offense, definitely, and and even on special teams. So um, while I'd give the slight edge to the Cowboys' defense at this stage, um, that Niners one is still pretty scary themselves, and um, they've probably the more complete team at this stage. So I have to. Agree in the power rankings, the top three or four teams stay the same for me. Niners, Cowboys, Eagles, and Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, what what do you make about the Eagles? I think, like like I said earlier, the fact that they're two and zip and not playing particularly good football is both a little bit concerning in that maybe their the results don't match the performances, but also, yeah, on the on the flip side, the fact that they're winning games of football while not playing great great football is um it could could be a positive as well in that they've got plenty of room for improvement still um the running back room in in philly is an interesting one we've Mm. seen kind of two very different um approaches over the first couple of weeks but um deandre swift was uh was was pretty dominant on uh thursday night football yeah huge huge game for swift after kind of taking a back seat in week one. And I think you'll have Kenneth Gainwell back for this week, for week three. So it'll be very interesting so. to see what Sirianni does with, with his running back room this week. Does he run the ride the hot hand of Swift or does he um, go back to Gainwell, the trusted kind of guy that's been around the locker room for a lot longer? looks like Rashad Penny, though, has kind of almost been relegated to number four with Boston Scott kind of almost being that third 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 back. So, uh, look, interesting. I think, I think to your point, your last point, I think the good thing for the Eagles is they've got so much room for improvement and they're still winning. So for me, that's where I take the positive for the Eagles. I think um, they don't quite look like the polished outfit that they were the middle to late stages of last year. But, uh, you know, like you said, they, they're two ones. They're doing what they need to do. And, um, yeah, and again, we probably won't get, a, as you know, they're playing an undefeated team this week, but I still don't think we'll get the real sense of where they're at until probably week five or six, but I think they're um, they're looking fine and that's why I'd have them in pick. Uh, and at, at number three there, of course, they're undefeated, so why not? Yeah, and, and as you as you mentioned, the Eagles and Chiefs uh, filling in those third and four spots. One, two, three, four, the same, uh, the same teams from week one. But in fifth spot, uh, last week we had the Cincinnati Bengals. This week, uh, the Dolphins have moved up from seven to sit in in fifth. Hour. What, what's the what's the the reasons for that move? I think you have to promote the Dolphins ahead of um, the teams below them here, like the Bills and the Bengals that were ahead ahead of them last week, just for the fact that they won both games. Obviously, the Bengals still haven't won, um, and they've looked really really solid. I mean, I mean, I know they were in a bit of a shootout in week one and. You know, their defense stiffened up a bit in week two. I know they only played the Pats, but they left a few points out there against the Pats and they could have easily won by a lot more, I think. And um, they kind of 
went with a different approach, which was which was good to see. They went all out in aerial attack against the Pats. They showed the run game could be effective. Raheem Mostert got into the end zone a couple of times. Um, so that you know they, they're finding different ways. I think Mike McDaniel's a super clever coach. I think the Dolphins are well uh, well suited, and they're going to be the ones to challenge the Bills for that AFC East title. So I've got the Bills just behind them at the moment in six. They obviously got back on the board with a strong win. I had the Bills six last week as well, um, and then got the Ravens jumping up to seven. I know we were mm. a bit kind of um, unsure on the Ravens last week, despite that win, but I have to jump them up to seven. Obviously undefeated and and beating a, a Bengals outfit on the road. Yeah, look, I, I was really intrigued by those two spots with the Bills, obviously, six after a loss in, in week one and still sitting in six after a big win in week two. Uh, but the Ravens really were the, the, the big movers in in the power rankings. And I should say all credit to you because you've done most of the work on uh, on these power rankings this week, given uh, I'm not in the best shape of my life. But um, <laughs> no, good good job by you. And, and and to be fair, looking at it, there's not there's not much that I disagree with to, to be Perfectly frank, but I, I was interested to to kind of see um, that that the reasoning around the Bills um, after that big win. I I think, like I said, I, I don't think I was that impressed by the win. I know they won big. They only played the Raiders at home, and like I mentioned when we were running through the talking points, I think they had these wins throughout a regular season. So for me, it doesn't really show anything. Um, we knew what they're capable of and they kind of played to that expectation on the weekend. So I don't need to see them need to move them up any higher, especially what we thought the Dolphins did and, and then winning again. So that kind of was the justification there, but um, they're very hard to do. And they're obviously a matter of opinion and they, they absolutely not gospel by any means, but um, below the Ravens in set or in eighth, I should say is, is the Lions. I've still got the Lions in eighth. And funnily enough, they were there last week. I thought they were still solid, against the Seahawks. I still got them winning the NFC North. They might be a little bit high, but they're still a one-on-one team. And the only 2-0 and teams below them I've got are the Saints and Commanders who have who've jumped into the power rankings after not being in the top 12 last week. So to round it out, the top 12 anyway, we've got Lions 8, Jags 9, Bengals still in 10th, even though they're 0-2. We just know what they're capable of. So that's why I've got them still there at 10 and Saints 11, Commanders 12. We, we didn't mention the Saints... Uh, really no. before, but um, yeah, I, I'm glad. I'm glad you've got them there in the top ten, uh, top twelve, because I think that they've shown enough. I think they've shown enough that they can be dangerous. Um, you know, we spoke about their chances in the division a couple of weeks ago, um, and you know, with, with the talent that they've got, you know, they they're right up there. Um, but how have you seen the first couple of weeks for for New Orleans? Look, they're obviously riding their defense at the moment. Their offense has been a little bit sputtering. Um, they lost Jamal Williams to an injury on the weekend. Um, so their run game hasn't been effective yet. They've obviously still got Alvin Kamara to come back in week four. Derek Carr's been solid. He's got a few, he's got, you know, he's got over 250 yards probably both weeks, but he's thrown two picks, only one touchdown. He's not doing a heap, not doing anything more than he was in, in LA, that's for sure. So. I think they need better play from him if they're going to take the next step. Their defense is solid and, and will be. Um, that's a really good, strong defensive unit. And we saw that uh, against the Panthers. Um, I got a bit close for comfort at the end there, but I think that scoreline probably flattered the Panthers. I think the Saints were in complete control of that game. And um, yeah, huge game this week for the Saints um, up against the Packers on the road. So that'll be a really good kind of um, 
yeah, line in the sand there for both teams, I think, to see where they're at. So that'll be an interesting one. But um, with that defense, you have to favor the Saints slightly maybe. But, um, yeah, that's probably the reason why I've got them 11th. But they could easily jump into the top 10 with it once they start 3-0 if they can. Mm. Uh, one of the things that, that's interested me uh, about the Saints is their lack of use uh, on offense with, with the tight end position. I, I, I kind of thought that after what, what he showed last season, Juwan Johnson – was going to be a key part of that offense. And I think he's had three three catches in the, the first couple of weeks. Maybe it's four or something like that. But um, certainly not not the type of usage that I was expecting. We know Chris Olave and, and Michael Johnson and um, – sorry, Michael Thomas and, um, you know, Shahid and, and, and these guys are going to get the, the lion's share. But um, I, I did think that they would utilize him a little bit more than, than they have. Spot on, I complete <clears throat> spot on, mate. I, I completely agree with you there. I, th- I thought Dwan Johnson would be a really focal point for that offense going forward. I know he was pretty much Andy Dalton's favorite target at the end of last year, and I thought he'd kind of continue that um, chemistry. But it seems like Michael Thomas has kind of recovered. It's great to see him kind of playing regular snaps, and he looked like an absolute beast at the start of that game. He did drift out, and Alave took over as the as Carr's number one target. And God, he's going to be a good player, isn't he, Alave? But mm. um. If he's not already. Yeah, completely. Yeah, that's right. Completely agree. I thought he'd be used a lot more. And, um, you know, Taysom Hill's still getting, um, despite him kind of, well, I think he's actually listed as a quarterback now, isn't he? Not a tight end. But, yeah, it's interesting <laughs> to see with the what's going on there with the Saints. But um, they're an interesting watch for sure. And, and then they could easily, like I mentioned, jump in the power rankings with another win. Now, three teams that haven't moved uh, are the bottom three spots uh, at 30. We've got the Cardinals, 31, the Texans, and 32, the Bears. Now, you've already mentioned that the Bears stink. Uh, we we know the Cardinals stink and the Texans there in the middle uh, yeah, also also stink. But I, I did want to ask you, where have you got the New York Giants? Where is, is Big Blue? Are they rising or are they falling? Well, the Big Blue had to have risen after week one, but, um, but not by much. Like, honestly... What we've seen from them in the first two weeks, I, I don't have an exact number for them, but let's say they're in the bottom ten at this stage. Interesting. I think I think as we kind of get through this season a little bit more, we'll probably start to limit a, a lot of those talking points to just kind of key things, and then then the majority of of these things will be the power rankings, and we can go through mm-hmm. the power rankings in, in more detail, probably from week five or six onwards, um, which would be cool and, and I think a really good exercise for us to do each week in terms of putting those those power rankings together. But um, the next the next week, week three, um, what are you looking forward to seeing in, uh, in week three? Week three, yes. I'm glad you read week three and not week two, what I actually wrote on the run sheet. <laughs> it confused me in my, uh, <laughs> yeah, in my, hungover, my like, hungover state. That it took me a minute. What's he doing? It but took yes, me a Nick did have a big night at the AFL Media Awards last night, so forgive him. <laughs> but he's actually sounding good. I, I thought he'd be um, tapped out by now, but um, we're an hour in and he's hanging on, so it's good to, uh, to have struggle. him. Hang, hanging on is, uh, is, is, <laughs> is an overstatement. Yeah, look, I thought um, I'd highlight five key games I wanted to touch on with you, mate, um, in week three, and uh, I'll give you the clue. It, it's not the big blue in, in Thursday Night Football <laughs> against the Niners. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Falcons and Lions were one that I highlighted because I thought it's two really exciting teams on the rise, two young teams in the NFC. Um, yeah, I thought that'd be an absolute um, 
thriller in, in the Dome. And I know they've played some tight ones over the last couple of years. So Falcons at Lions, what did you think of this one? Falcons at the Lions. Look, I'm intrigued because, because offensively they're, they're – they're both entertaining. You know, we saw what the Falcons did last week, um, and we we know what the Lions have done for over the first couple of weeks. Um, obviously, the, the win over the Chiefs in Week One, uh, shootout last week with the Seahawks. Um, they're just, they're both really entertaining teams at the moment, and I'm just i I would love to see another shootout. I feel like um, the Lions are going to be in, a, in quite a few of those shootouts because clearly there is some 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 work for them to do on the defensive end. But offensively, you know, they're able to put up points and put up points fast. Um, so whether the, the, the Falcons can go with them is is the big question for me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think um, I've got the Lions winning that one back at home, um, a bounce back from last week. But, yeah, it could go either way. And, and like you said, it could be a, a really exciting offensive display. One thing I, I did want to mention, I'm just having a look at, at the markets because I, I wanted to see what the uh, what the odds here would be. You mentioned that that you weren't um, looking at the Niners Giants. Uh, I'm just trying to find where some of these um, margins could be, but where are we? Here we go. Ten point bands. Forty Niners. To win by twenty-one to thirty points, five dollars ten, or thirty-one points to forty points, thirteen dollars. Okay. No, that's I think you're getting silly there. Ah, uh, the forty-niners could win by forty-nine points. <laughs> this could be the biggest thumping in the history of the NFL. No, I don't think it's going to be that bad. Uh, look, like I said, I think um, on a short week they're up against it, the Giants, especially without Saquon Barkley. But it could also be like the you know. They get together. This is one of those t- things. They get go on the road. They they kind of um, show a bit of fortitude and, and come out and play really hard. But um, you know, I think if the Niners get to a um, a comfortable lead, I don't think they'll really try and run them into the ground. Forty one points or more, forty six dollars. Just no, saying, Nick. But, uh, <laughs> if you want to have a shekel on that? You can, mate. But I, I do mind. I don't mind the twenty one to thirty. That's that's not too bad. That kind of range. But uh, I think it'll be closer to a two touchdown kind of game. That's fair. That's probably closer to reality, but uh, I, I like to think that the Niners could win by fifty points. Um, one of the other one of the other games that you've highlighted here is uh, the O two Broncos against the two and O Dolphins. What are you looking forward to seeing there? I'm just looking forward to seeing the Broncos lose again. I, I actually don't. The way the Broncos are carrying on, I just it's giving me the shits. And I, I think um, it'd be great to kind of see the Dolphins absolutely ha- hammer them this week. But the fact that 
this has so much riding on it because essentially the Dolphins Dolphins can set up their season and kind of end the Broncos at the same time. So it, it's got a lot riding on it. I think Denver are better than what they've showed in the first two weeks. I do agree with that. I, I don't hate them that much, I suppose. But it is quite interesting seeing them kind of self-explode after since Russ Wilson's got there, to be honest. So, um, yeah, I'm, I, I do like watching the Dolphins. I think they're an awesome team to watch at the moment. Um, Tyreek Hill and, and Jalen Waddle, obviously, with, with Tua. It's a very exciting kind of dominant three there they've got. And uh, I, I think the Dolphins go on and, and win this one. But, um, yeah, hopefully it's a, an exciting contest. I should be hungover more because I like this sassy... Sassy Ryan. I'm going to hand you the reins a little bit more, I reckon. Um, just taking shots at the Broncos. It's, it's well done. I like it. Um, the Chargers and Vikings, both 0-2. Um, again, we, we've said it so many times. We were expecting big things out of the Chargers again, starting to, to temper expectations. And the Vikings, I think, maybe didn't expect them to be 0-2. But, um, you know, I think they're they're about what we what we said they are. Exactly. I think, yeah, they're, they're a true reflection of where they are. And it's a, it's a fascinating contest to me because they're two teams that almost somehow don't know how to win. I mean, I know the Vikings won a lot of close games last year, so it's a bit of an oxymoron. But at the moment, it seems like they're two teams that don't know how to win. And they're always these two teams always seem to be in, you know, one-score games right up until the death. So no doubt this game's going right up until the final drive, uh, if not into overtime as well. Just a fascinating contest because, like I said, uh, loser, see, pack your bags almost. Like I know it's um, a long way back from 0-3 and, and uh, at 1-2 and two, it's very salvageable, for, especially for the Vikings, I think, because they play in a weaker division. But in saying that, the way the AFC West is shaping up, maybe maybe it's not that strong. I mean, obviously the Broncos have won mm. a game. We know the Raiders aren't going to be too competitive. So Maybe the Chargers are alive at 0-3, but goodness me, they wouldn't want to be in that spot, especially with the talented, you know, talent on both sides of the roster, um, both sides of the um, um, defence here. So, look, um, huge game, and, and I'm really interested to see where it lands, and it's a it's a complete flip of the coin for me. Well, that, that's a really good point, and I think the, the, punters, the punters are going to want to know which way are you leaning? This game is essentially pick them, right? It's $1.88, $1.92. It's a half a point line. Um, who wins? Gut at the moment says Vikings just because they're the home team. But, um, yeah, it could it could be – yeah, it, it could be a blowout to the Chargers. It honestly could go either way. It's 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 one of those complete – like it is. It's a, it's a flip, flip of the coin. I, I'm intrigued that you haven't highlighted this this game because it is your, your two loves, the Buffalo Bills and the Washington Commanders. Um, why why not? Are you, uh, it's are you probably watch the next one, one I would have highlighted. I only usually we we only wanted to kind of focus on five or six, and I was it was either going to be this as a six game or the Saints Packers, but yeah, pro- this probably has a little bit more top billing. Pardon the pun. Um, <laughs> two and zero Commanders, like they get to three and zero. Very interesting. Look, uh, the NFC East is undefeated at the moment. I mean, outside of their division, I know obviously one of the Giants and the Cowboys had to lose in week one. So if you look at it, the NFC East is super strong. We knew that kind of coming into the season. The Bills obviously lost week one, which we weren't expecting, but bounced back 
like we were expecting in week two. So I think they probably go and get the job done. The commander's coming out from the altitude of Denver. I don't know if that makes a difference, but um, great opportunity for the commanders to step up and take a big scalp though. Um, but I think the Bills get it done. Yep, yep. No, that's fair. A couple of other interesting matchups. It, it, it's not the greatest slate in the no, history of, of football. Poor, but it, Yeah, Panthers-Seahawks is, is interesting. Yeah, I know the no, Panthers are on no, two and the, the Seahawks one on one. Panthers but... are an absolute trash. <laughs> Mate, did you watch that game on Monday? They, they were shit. <laughs> fair enough. We'll move <laughs> along. Uh the Eagles and Bucks, two and zip, two and a, zip. That could be a 20-plus point for Seahawks, right? Um, but, yeah, I think the two Monday night games are the interesting <laughs> ones this week. And, again, they've got the overlapping games um, this week. And then the last um, time they do it for the season, I think, is in week 14. So we've got a bit of a, a break from it. But um, the Eagles at Bucks, really interesting game, really interesting game. It's it's a great like I said we've we've already touched on it a, a couple of times but it's a great kind of test to see where both teams are at I think the Eagles could flex their muscles here and, and run away with a big victory but um, yeah the Bucks are being solid and the Eagles are being sloppy so we'll see what happens. It's it's really interesting the way that we perceive teams like and like you said and and you're spot on the Bucks have been solid they're two and zip they've been solid. Uh, the Eagles are two and zip, and they've been sloppy, but still two and zip regardless. Um, I just, I don't know what it is, but this this is a bit of a danger game for the Eagles. I think um, defensively, the the way that the Bucks are playing defensively and the way that the Eagles are playing offensively is just a bit of a concern, I think, for Philadelphia. And yeah, Jalen Hurts hasn't been poor, but he hasn't been that dynamic. Um, yeah, playmaker like like we saw all all of last season. Um, need to get more out of out of AJ Brown and Devonta Smith. I think it's just the the reality. Like we know how dangerous Jalen Hurts is in in the red zone. Um, that quarterback sneak that you you touched on earlier. I think one of the one of the great stats that I saw because in, in reference to um, the the NFL Commission voting on whether they should outlaw the sneak. Uh, and, and I think ultimately they they decided not to, but I think something like five five teams tried a quarterback sneak in week two, and only the Eagles succeeded at it, which is a pretty damning stat. You know, everyone says it's the worst playing football, and, and you know shouldn't be allowed, and blah blah blah. No other team can do it. No other team can do it. Um, so just you know. Stick a pipe in it, but um, it, it is a bit of a danger game. It is a bit of a danger game, I think, for Philly. And I, I was just going to say, I completely agree with your point on AJ Brown. He's been, you know, very quiet to start the season, and Devontae Smith's kind of been your main man. And you know, I know he's only a very tiny man, and um, you just almost need that big frame of AJ Brown <laughs> to get involved and start taking some big catches. But Devontae mm-hmm. looked really good in week two. Uh, let's see AJ more involved. That's what I'd want to see from from the Eagles, though, for sure. I think the thing that that made you're right about Smith is is he has been good, but I think what made what made the Eagles so dynamic was that you had the threat of Jalen Hurts and, and last season was Miles Sanders on the ground, and then you didn't know where the ball was going in the air. Like you could have AJ Brown or could have 
eight catches and 150 yards and two touchdowns, or you could have Devonta Smith with six catches and 120 and a couple of tutties, or Dallas Goddard could have yeah eight eight catches and 80 yards with a touchdown as well. Like you just didn't know. And at the moment, mm-hmm. you know the ball's going to Smith. You know Hertz is going to do what he does on the ground. Um, the, the question really is who's going to carry it outside of Hertz? Is it going to be Swift? Is it going to be Gainwell? Is it going to be Scott? Is it going to be Penny? I think they'll. I think each of them will have their will have big games. I think they're going to have their time in the sun and they are going to share it around. But um, I think game to game, they'll probably ride ride the hot hand. But um, yeah, AJ Brown is such an important piece of this offense, and and without him, um, without him being that big bodied bull up the field uh they they do look not lost but just a bit lethargic in that you know they're kind of predictable and that's not it's not what we're used to out of the eagles offense so you know that that's really what i want to see i want to see them getting aj brown involved um i want to see them getting dallas got it involved um you know didn't touch the ball in week one six six catches in in week two but only 22 yards um you know, uh, he, he's so good after the catch that they need to get him space. They need to get him involved down the field. And um, I think that will make the, the offense a lot more unpredictable and, and dynamic. And that's what you need to do against a, a, a Buccaneers defense that is, that's proven pretty yeah, stout yeah, so far. exactly right. And Dallas Goddard's another one, like you said, he's, he's been quiet to start the season. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing your offense kind of click into gear, and I think that's that's the room for improvement for, uh, for Philly, and I think they'll cause a bit of trouble as well on the defensive end for for Baker and the Bucks. The last the last game you've got highlighted, I think, is is completely understandable. It's the the one on one Rams against the zero and two Bengals. Um, obviously, a, a a rematch of that uh, Super Bowl from from a couple of years ago. Um, where where are you thinking with this one? Because obviously the Bengals haven't haven't hit the heights that we we thought they would. The Rams have probably outperformed expectations so far. Um, where are you thinking uh, about this? I think it all depends one? on on Joe Burrow and his health. And if he's if he's you know carrying that calf injury into this week, then the Rams are every chance. And you know if he doesn't suit up, the Rams are, are clear favourites. Um, if Joe Burrow's healthy and he plays and they play their best, the Bengals they get it done and they get their season back on the track and. As I mentioned, they were 0-2 last year. They won 12 of their last 14 games. They made a a super run to um, the AFC North title, went all the way to the divisional round again. And look, I think that's kind of where their ceiling has to be once again. But the Rams have looked good. Um, Puka Nakua is an absolute revelation. Mm. 15 catches through two weeks, um, which is an abs- which is a record for anyone's first two games in the league. And um, fifth-round mm. pick, he's just, you know, taken all before him and then then two two out well who was essentially um kind of you know an afterthought for a lot of teams and 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 you know sean mcveigh kind of found a spot for him and they've become their two weapons and they've kind of filled the void that cooper cups left behind a big one at that and yeah it's an interesting um dynamic at, at the moment in la obviously cam Akers will be looking for a new home there's no way he'll play for that club again and after mm. being a healthy scratch and uh, look, it's it's an interesting one for the Rams, who 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 will obviously be able to get some value out of Cam Akers if, in terms of compensation for a draft picks and and stuff, things that they haven't had in in, in a long time. So, um, yeah, they're in, they're they're interestingly positioned at the moment, the Rams, and um, 
they'd be thinking their season obviously is well and truly alive, especially if they can they can knock off the Bengals here. But I think since he should get it done, they have to with that amount of talent on the field. Um, prime time for the perfect time for Joey to kind of stake his claim this year and, and show everyone why he was an MVP favourite heading into the season. But um, he's looked anything but in the first two weeks. I was I was surprised to see the market for this one with the Bengals. I know it's not particularly short, but short enough in, in this one, a dollar seventy seven to the Rams two oh six. And I think I don't think it's gonna be a blowout either way. I think it's gonna be a pretty close one. And and to, to see these two markets, Rams one to thirteen and Bengals one to thirteen at two sixty five and two forty five, I think there's probably a little bit of value there if you wanted to play them off against each other. Um uh, I, I can't see I can't see either team winning by by two or more touchdowns. So um, the question marks about Joe Burrow are, are valid. Do you think there's some some value with the Rams? For sure. And if you if you can if you think Burrow is going to be a scratch or if he's going to be compromised in this one, you can take uh, even money or a bit over at the moment for the Rams. It'd be very good value because if he comes out or doesn't play or you know we we know a little bit more later in the week, they'll be a lot shorter than that. But um, yeah, still think there might be some good value there if you think the Bengals can be healthy and get back into it. So it's it's yeah, it, it really depends on the health of um, Burrow for me. Mm. Well, that just about wraps it up. I, I've got a, a little spot here for some final thoughts. Um, I hadn't dropped anything in, but but you kind of sparked a thought with um, the Cam Akers trade discussion. Uh, obviously, with with Nick Chubb going down, could Cam Akers be a target for the Browns and? Who else might be an option? The, the the really interesting one is Kareem Hunt. Obviously, still hasn't got a a, a franchise. Um, the Browns moved on from him very publicly um, last season, and you know, given he's unsigned, he's obviously extremely talented um, and knows the system. Could we see a, a reunion? Kareem yeah, that Hunt was where I thought you know that would be, you know. Um, the perfect spot. I mean, Kareem Hunt was a pretty solid running back too, and you know, in times one last year mm. for, for the Browns, and it's um, as much as Jerome Ford looked good on the on the weekend, they still need that obviously that backup and and some more experience in the locker room. So Kareem Hunt would fit that bill. But in terms of Cam Akers, if he can't end up at the Browns, there's other places like like the Ravens, obviously, who have lost J.K. Dobbins. They've got a few up their sleeve, but mm-hmm. especially with now Saquon missing, the Giants could be a landing spot. And then there's the Colts as well, who uh, the Colts obviously um, are still without JT. So um, all potential spots, I think, for for Cam Akers. Uh, who I think he would be a best fit for is probably the Colts. But um, I say that because the Colts can offer maybe the most, and I think they... Akers is still a very young man and they could probably use him um, behind Jonathan Taylor if, if Taylor does decide to come back and, and take a pay cut or come to a negotiation there. So, yeah, interesting to see what happens um, with Cam Akers for sure because he's obviously talented enough to be in the league and, and certainly mm. young enough um, with a lot of upside. So we'll see what happens. And then obviously does Leonard Fournette come back into the calculation for for one of these teams as a, as a veteran mm. Um and, and as, you, as you obviously, as you mentioned, Kareem Hunt as well. So a lot to play out in the running back market, which changes so quickly, um, doesn't it? It's it's an absolute horror position for any player at the moment. And, and um, mm. 
you know, Saquon, who obviously, you know, is not guaranteed any money. He's only on this one year, one year deal. I'm not sure what Nick Chubb's contract looks like, but he'll be um, obviously worrying about the bag, as they like to call him over there. So, um, yeah, very interesting to see what how that kind of plays out moving forward. Well, I think this is exactly the kind of the situation why Jonathan Taylor wanted yeah. to get paid, right? Like, you know, the, the running back landscape can change in an instant. And, you know, Nick Chubb, as good as he's been over the last few years, his career could be over. This is his second major leg injury. Um, yeah, had, had a had a pretty college, serious yeah. injury in college. Um, and and so, you know, his career could be over in an, in an instant. And, you know, it, we, we've seen it time and time again with running backs. They, they, they come in for their, their rookie contract the first three or four years. They dominate. And then they finally get paid. And uh, th- their kind of career starts to, to dwindle at that, at that point. And um, I think that's that's exactly why there's this conversation around you know, how much are running backs worth, especially in the first couple of years of their contracts compared to later on in their careers and, and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of conversation, I think, around how, how running backs are treated by the league and by their teams and, and all that sort of stuff over the next little while. But, mate, any, uh, any final no, thoughts? No, that was it, around? mate. So thanks for hanging in for so long, mate. You've done well to last again over an hour and 20 minutes or so. So you, you've done a, a mighty effort for someone that told me that he was pretty much dog shit this morning. So you've done well. Thanks for fighting on for the listeners. <laughs> no, mate, thank you for uh, for taking the lead. I appreciate it because, uh, yeah, absolutely. When I got up this morning, uh, there was almost zero chance I was doing this podcast tonight. Uh, but we made it. We made it, and you uh, you've dragged me through. So appreciate it, and uh, and thanks for thanks for all the work on on this week's episode. But um, that just about wraps it up. Obviously, you can follow us on socials. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Um, we're both individually on Twitter. If you want to get to us at Nick Splitter, uh, Ryan, you are at. Ryan, Ryan Lapore. We're very creative. Very, aren't we? very, very creative. I get confused because your Instagram <laughs> handle is different to your Twitter handle, and that always confuses me. Correct. Um, yes. But yes, yes, you can you can catch us on Twitter. Um, jump in, ask any questions, give us some feedback, tell us it was horrible this week, um, or whatever you want to tell us. But but hey, if you don't mind, give us a five star review wherever you listen because that'd be cool. Um, But that's that's about it, and uh, I guess we'll see you next week. Go birds. Go lions. Fuck. Go bills. (laughs) 